Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here, just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly, that's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now, on with monkey tennis. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello gang, Adam from Monkey Tennis here. Before we get started with today's episode proper, we've got some very special news to share with you. This September, we'll be coming live to Bristol, Manchester and London with what we like to call Mid-Evening Matters. It's essentially us discussing and celebrating Mid-Morning Matters Series 2, a couple of episodes each night. On Friday the 7th of September, we'll be at the Wardrobe Theatre in Bristol. On Saturday the 8th of September, we'll be at the Lowry in Manchester. And on Sunday the 9th of September, we'll be at King place in London. You can get tickets now at monkeytennispod.com. We're very, very excited to share our thoughts, musings, theories and speculation around Mid-Morning Matters Series 2 with you in a live atmosphere. It's great news. We're really looking forward to it. I hope as many of you can join us as possible and we're really pleased to be bringing the show to Bristol for the first time and obviously those of you that caught us at uh, Comic-Con in Manchester, um, we hope you'll pop back out for our live show and those of you that have been to our live shows at the Prince Charles Cinema in London, uh, yes, please do head back out. Uh, it's happening this September, 7th, 8th and 9th, 7th in Bristol, 8th in Manchester, 9th in London. Tickets are on sale now at monkeytennispod.com. Hard sell over. Now it's time to get into the episode. Thanks for listening. North, North, Monkey tennis? Well, uh, this is great banter. Hot, 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 hot. Monkey tennis? Radical. Awesome. Mega. Are you on an E? Monkey tennis? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm spinning plates here, mate, I'll be honest. Monkey tennis? There have been times when I've been more 
Robbery than turtle. Monkey tennis? Tits bits. Tit, tit bits. Uh, yes, 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 and yes. It's just an idiom. You're an idiot. Ooh, that's mustard. Monkey tennis? Sustaining and maintaining our core listenership in an increasingly fragmented marketplace. Greetings, pod fans, and welcome to Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast. I'm Adam Brooks, and I'm joined by Tom Dark. This is Chat Down, street style for the over 40s. Nick Older. You're from Holt, Jill, you're from Holt. And Tom Stab. <laughs> oh, look, Rain Wooney, top one. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're now back onto tackling Mid Morning Matters Series 1. Um, we've already covered uh, the first episode. You can go back and listen to that at your leisure. Uh, so we're on to episode two. Um, Hello, Mustard. <laughs> uh, a couple of things just about the, the, the series as a whole, because obviously I wasn't around for the uh, episode you were, you one were, chat. You were stuck at Chiswick Roundabout during uh, our record of episode uh, one, weren't I you? checked into Claridge's and ordered room service and stolen a towel. Unbelievable. Um, that episode was also brilliant, so no pressure, Adam. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, worth noting, obviously, this was uh, this is the Gibbons brothers' first crack at Alan. Uh, they've obviously joined the Partridge writing team at this point, um, and there's some kind of notable changes to Alan's character, I think. Um, a question to the group that I don't think was covered uh, in episode one. What were everyone's thoughts when they first heard that Alan's comeback was going to be A, online and B, powered by Fosters. I was very nervous. <laughs> it did seem like an odd way to return after the success of I'm Alan Partridge, didn't it? Yeah, I, I think that's a good point, actually. Like The fact that it was partnered with a brand as well, you, you did kind of think, why yeah. does he need to and, do that? And that that brand was Fosters. Yeah. Was, uh, I, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have said Fosters was, uh, was an Alan-adjacent it, it, brand. Not, it's not brand Partridge and it's not brand Coogan, is it? And, and it did also make me think, like, why is this not on the BBC? Does that mean the BBC don't care anymore but I mean as as we'll go on to discuss these episodes are of very high quality so I think the key factor was probably cash wasn't it I think you might be right. <laughs> There's certainly no evidence to the contrary. So, are we saying that Foster's probably stumped up all the cash to oh, yeah. finance yeah. this? Oh yeah, show. yeah, yeah. yeah. They and then made obviously, this work it, it was received well and went down well, and Sky, you know, took came and took it on. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think I, so. This might have been a case of three hundred grand, and we'll take it to Sky. <laughs> Very good. Because <laughs> I, I did wonder because it being partnered with Foster's. I think I'm trying to think now. Was this before Foster's had started sponsoring comedy on Channel Four? They. Um, I don't think was so. It around it was the same on, time. It was on the Foster's yeah. Funny um, YouTube yeah. channel, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, so yeah. I think they were already associated with comedy. So at that I, point. yeah. So that's what I'm thinking. I remember at the time thinking like, was it going to be in association with Channel Four or something like that? Right. But yeah, obviously yeah. that didn't that didn't, didn't materialise. And I can't remember if we did cover this in the first episode. I should have probably have listened back, but. Um, uh, there was another one, wasn't there? They did. Uh, they did the fast show after. The, yes. There was a fast yeah, show reunion sort of thing. sponsored by yeah. Fosters as well, which I think was YouTube only as well. Yeah. But that yeah. never went to Sky or. I didn't, any didn't other have telly. the full cast either, if I remember. I think there were some people missing from. Right. It. Yeah. I, that rings a bell. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, my feelings in order when I first heard about this were firstly gratitude at having him back in any format whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, astonishment it took so long, um, and then concern at the seemingly low budget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the kind of confined one room approach, which could well, I mean. In, in hindsight, obviously works, but when you hear it on paper, think, mm, is that going to be good? Yeah, I mean, it's my understanding that the reason they went for uh, for the, the kind of the one room uh, minimal cast approach was because people uh, were so uh, keen on the moments in I'm Alan Partridge where he's broadcasting, and they kind of thought maybe the, the confines of that mean that you can you can eke more comedy out or, of it, or, or maybe when the Fosters uh, check came through, they suddenly <laughs> changed the script so it was just in one room. <laughs> Who can say? Who can say? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I, w- I would agree that the that those kind of moments where you see Alan in the studio in I'm Alan Partridge, as a fan, I was always keen to see more of that because you kind of know it's going to be Car Crash Radio and it's only yeah. over like two or three minutes that you get. Yeah, and some of the absolute highlights of those series were his interactions with Dave yeah. Clifton. Or even just like the way he'd uh, intro, introduce yeah, yeah, yeah. songs and things like that. Yeah. So I think, yeah, from, from a fan's point of view, I think this was definitely what they would want to see but then obviously you've got a more transient viewer that would just be watching comedy Mm. on BBC Mm. 2 that would probably Mm. go what's this I'm not interested do you think for that reason this this, this passed a huge proportion of the Partridge audience by because I think I think we might be guilty of thinking that all Partridge fans are, are into it in the way that we're into it, but I think there's there's huge amounts of people that will watch it if it happens to be on the yeah, BBC. Yeah, and, and also, like having said that, I remember what, making a point of watching probably the first two or three because they went out every week. Yeah, on the I week. remember yeah. watching them and at then, work. Uh, and then after about three weeks, I just kind of just forgot to keep checking in. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. So as I much tuned as in a- every week, Steve. Every week. <laughs> <laughs> He's not listening. <laughs> um, it's worth mentioning for the purposes of this series that we were watching uh, the rebadged Sky comedy version. I think that I think the only main difference other than the Sky logo and the fact it was it was packaged as half an hour is that there's opening credits uh, where they zoom in from a map yes. of the world yeah. uh, you hear the voices of various famous world leaders talking about huge events and then and then the joke is obviously Alan. it's followed by Alan talking yeah. about something completely inane <laughs> straight straight off the back of Maggie Thatcher yeah <laughs> And I I only realised on a second uh, round of viewings that the quote from Alan at the beginning of each episode is different. I yep. hadn't clocked that straight away. Yeah. Oh, really? So this yeah. one, yeah. this one, he uh, I like it that catches in mid sentence as well. Yeah, so this yeah a lot of them do. This one's a which I believe is the real reason Herbie went bananas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and in to to cover episode one because I'd like to say I hadn't realised at the time. So the quote on that episode is compiling a database of Norwich's least grateful buskers. Oh, that's right. Yeah, lovely. And just one thing on. Uh, uh, the intro quote. Uh, did anyone look into uh, Herbie Goes Bananas, the film? No, but I'm hoping that you did. A <laughs> little bit. Um, 1980 <laughs> film. It's the fourth film in the Herbie series. Um, I read the... Herbie Goes to Monte Carlo. Oh, that is one, yeah. Well uh, done. <laughs> Herbie. Herbie, yeah. <laughs> Herbie Rides Again. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if that's all of them, but certainly up until Absolutely four, which is yeah. smashed uh, Herbie Goes Bananas. Followed followed by uh, Lindsay, oh, Lohan, <laughs> Lindsay Lohan vehicle, Herbie Fully Loaded. Oh, oh yeah. Very good. Uh, but actually, having read the synopsis of the plot, Herbie doesn't really go bananas. Bananas. I mean, he does run. He does cause a little, little bit. To <laughs> go mildly chaotic. He, he does. Dear film go, studio. Yeah. I recently watched Herbie Goes Bananas and was disappointed at the lack of mental health breakdown experienced by Herbie, and also lack of bananas. Um, he does cause a little bit of havoc on a cruise liner, and much like Megatron, is sentenced to be dropped in the sea. Oh, I'm so glad we got another Megatron. Actually. Yeah. So basically, what you wanted from that film was uh, Herbie to be from the very get go. A mentally ill car that is <laughs> that, that drives through large crates of bananas for two hours. I mean, yes, so, sounds good. <laughs> watch. Watch. <laughs> um, one other thing about the the theme, the theme tune of Big Morning Matters. I don't know if this actually does apply to the theme, or, but original music uh, in this series was written by a Mr. Martin Coogan, who is of course Steve's brother. Yep. That used to be in uh, popular band The Mock Turtles. Correct. Yep. yep. Which he does bring up in almost every interview. I've noticed. Steve's very keen to mm. remind everyone of The Mock Turtles, maybe because uh, keep those Spotify streams coming in. <laughs> yeah, and also to, to make it clear that he's not the only uh, quote unquote celebrity in the family. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, and he does. I mean, he, he does. Right yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to recognise Martin on the street, are you? Um, uh. Should I uh, give us some context around uh, this episode? Is in would you uh, the TX date and the viewing figures? Oh, please, please do. do. So obviously we're dealing with series one, episode two, Mustard and Pepper. Mm-hmm. That's how it's titled. Mm-hmm. If you're going off Sky or the DVD versions, so this aired on Monday, the 16th of July, 2012. Would anybody like to guess at the viewing figures? Uh, Adam might have seen them. I think it'll be, it'll be low because one, it's on Sky Atlantic, and two, it's effectively a repeat. Mm. So I'm going to say. But, but then I, I guess that is there is a debate to be had about you know how many people that watch it on Sky Atlantic would even know that these had been shorts on mm-hmm. YouTube. Yeah, because don't point. forget, Foster's did delete them after a while. Am I right in thinking that this was aired on Sky Atlantic like some years after it was online as well? Uh, it's about a year after. Oh, was it? Okay, yeah. All right. uh, any intel on what time of day it went out? Uh, at I think well? it was nine p.m. Okay. Okay. 9 or 10 p.m. Okay. I think it was 9 p.m. Right. 445, 445,000. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I thought you meant 445. <laughs> I mean, it is Sky Atlantic. It could be that. Yeah. Do you want to go, Adzi? Uh, I've seen the answer. He's seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I think lower. I'm going to say 80,000. That's very, that is very low. Mm. The answer is 199. Mm. Somewhere oh. in the middle. Somewhere so in the that, middle. That, that's, that's, your, that's your peak figure there, basically. Round up, we'll call it uh, 200,000. 200, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay. Uh, which uh, I couldn't get the viewing figures for uh, I'm Alan Partridge, but I think it's safe to assume that was a BBC Two comedy at 10pm. Yeah. That was in the millions. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there yeah. has been a drop-off. Yeah. yeah. Also, if I'm reading off your sheet correctly, episode one was 368,000, so that's quite, that a, is correct. quite a drop-off from episode one oh, to episode yeah. two. So I guess like the level of interest of people seeing the first yeah, bit Yeah, people tuned in and they thought, <laughs> I didn't like that, I won't be watching next week. <laughs> or, quite, like or, podcast, or quite possibly, <laughs> oh, it's a new Alan show, oh no, it's what I watched online last year. Uh, Could possibly. also be that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so let's get into the uh, the episode itself, where he uh, he opens with some Billy Piper chats. I believe we've got facts all straight, over the straight shop. Straight in with facts about we've Billy got, Piper, surely. I've got facts coming out the wazoo about Billy I Piper. I thought it was, it was straight I. into the rabbit hole. Wasn't it quite weird that he described her sort of as if she's like Annabelle, the horror doll? He's like, <laughs> like a painted uh, doll. It's yeah. a, it's a face a, like a reanimated Victorian doll. Yeah. A very round, cherubic face like a Victorian doll. It's Billy Piper. Say what you like about her, but she's the most popular prostitute on ITV. So none of us are going to um, contest that, I'm sure. Can I just quickly... De- oh. con- sorry. We might need some context as to what that actually means as well. If people don't know, it was a reference to Secret Diary of a Cool Girl, which was yeah. an ITV show that ran from 2007 to 2011 that I, Billy Piper starred in. I just love the multi-layered delivery of that joke, the beauty of it being that it's, she's not the most popular prostitute on TV, she's the most popular <laughs> prostitute <laughs> on ITV, which, which assumes that A... One, he's compiled an all-channel list uh, of prostitutes ranked by appearance. I mean, there's no chance he's done that. He's not going to put the effort in. And B, that he believes that there's a better-looking actor playing a prostitute on another channel. <laughs> channel 4, maybe? Channel 5. Channel 5, channel five yeah. yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. Sorry, that was that was my point. Okay, so yeah. Um, so should we go straight down the Billy Piper rabbit hole, as Let's it do were? It. Yeah. I- but why are we going down the Billy Piper rabbit hole? Because we want to. Hey! There we go. Hey! I think... Yeah, there we go. Uh, okay, is anybody familiar with the Billy Piper... No. <laughs> I mean, whatever it is, no. Okay. Um, there, okay, there is a there is a link between Billy Piper and the streets of Soho, and this is not about prostitutes. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Oh, I do know this, but I'll, so I'll stay out of it. Come. Okay, I'll talk you through it. It's a mnemonic, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, used by, well, allegedly used by taxi drivers, a in terms of the knowledge and what have you, a way to remember the major streets crossing Soho running from east to west. So the mnemonic to remember is going for dinner with Billy Piper. So can you name those streets? Greek Street. Yeah. Uh, Frith Street. Yeah. 
Dean Street. Yes. Um, Wardour Street. Wardour yep. Street. Uh, Beak Street. No, Berwick Street. Berwick Street. Yeah. That's Poland Street. Yes. Poland Street. You you, you've, you've nailed it. Um, so, and bizarrely, uh, the person that told me that, Josh Graben. So, um, <laughs> clang for wow. that, but um, just Ooh. quite Ooh, bizarre. I, does your foot hurt from that? Yeah, no, that really didn't But also, just <laughs> an American told me, I was like, I've never heard that before, and that's really genius and quite useful, because I always have a bit of a... I mean, the biggest surprise there is that Josh Graben's heard of Billy Piper, really. <laughs> Very <laughs> good point. Yeah. Friend of the podcast, Josh Graben. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Yeah, he's, he's probably listening. Uh, for anyone who is, an, is not familiar with Billy Piper, maybe some of our... Uh, uh, followers and listeners outside of the UK. Uh, she is the youngest ever artist to debut at number one with a single uh, with her single Because We Want To. Uh, in total, she had three number one singles, Because We Want To, Girlfriend and Day and Night, and she had a platinum debut album as well. Can I ask, what age was she when she went number one? 15, I want to say, I think. I think you're right. Yeah. Also, absolutely criminal that Honey to the Bee didn't make number one. That's, yeah, that's, it a, did not. that's banger. a crying, it did crying not. shame. <laughs> it did absolutely not. banger. Um, I also have some uh, stats and facts in terms of sales figures, if anyone's interested. Let's in do that. this. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, album one. Uh, now, I did say it went platinum, but how many albums do you reckon it sold in total? Ooh. Honey to the Bee. These figures are correct as of the 10th of January 2018. 416,000. Okay. 670,000. 380,000. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so she just nudged over platinum. Album two, Walk of Life, sold 72,000 copies. Oh, so that's in, a drop. That's a drop oh. off. So in total, she sold 452,804 studio albums, 1,000 studio albums. She also had a best of, which sold nearly 19,000 <laughs> oh, oh, copies. Oh, 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 a best of? A best of. Two albums. She had three number one singles. Fair enough. Um, uh, but interestingly, both albums charted at 14. So neither album uh, broke. performer. Yep. Yeah, neither yeah. album broke the top 10. Wow. Uh, any more Billy Piper facts before we move uh, on with our lives? Yes. Uh, <laughs> she is from Swindon. Uh, can anybody... <laughs> Thanks, for, there is, there Thanks is Wikipedia. Uh, this, is, this is great chat. Are there, uh, can anybody name any other famous Swindon residents? Swindonians. Swindonians. Any famous Swindonians? Uh, I don't think um, I can. Uh, I guess friend of the show Lee Cabbage doesn't count. <laughs> I mean, I'll accept. I'll okay. accept. Um, also, Mark Lamar, but even ah. more excitingly, Melinda Messenger. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, I did know that. Uh, and also a that. nice uh, Partridgean link, Andy Partridge of the band XTC. It's a very 90s feel there, isn't it? That it it really is, yeah. yeah. Swindon, town of the 90s. <laughs> uh, if we're talking Alan-esque facts about Swindon, someone once told me that Swindon is the only town in the country to have a roundabout that goes the other way. Right, we're absolutely getting to the bottom of the barrel of the facts <laughs> yeah, here. I yeah, suggest we the, move on. I think that's an interesting well, fact. It's the magic roundabout. That's a big deal, that. <laughs> You've got like one massive roundabout and like seven roundabouts around it. Okay. Very interesting. Let's yeah, move but, on. Let's yeah, move on. Uh, seeing, as that was, seeing as that section was simply the best, let's move on to simply <laughs> the best of Norfolk. I mean, I've got more on Billy Piper, but we, we can move on. <laughs> yeah. uh, the jingle that, that Alan uses for simply the best of Norfolk, uh, <laughs> I would say it's one of those jingles that is just enough shades away from simply the best by Tina Turner to avoid a copyright claim. Yeah, they, they've shifted it like one key. Has they? he been burned from the Cluedo incident? Yes, because he then yeah. follows it yeah, with yeah, an yeah. excellent pre-recorded disclaimer yeah. about it being nothing like 100 Greatest Britons um, <laughs> yes. and I, was, I did have a question would we have noticed the similarity without that disclaimer is that the joke yes 100% okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Joke. I, I think particularly because at the time that this originally went out 
Um, I think that 100 Best Britons had been quite a recent thing right, as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I also thought that voiceover, he sounds quite bored doing it because he's clearly been forced to do it as well. He yeah. sounds like he doesn't want to be doing it. Oh, really? Doing, doing what bit, sorry? The pre-recorded disclaimer. Uh, right, sorry. Simply sorry. Best of I thought you meant the whole segment itself. Right, okay. Oh, he's very excited about suggesting the best people in Norfolk. And who does he cite? Horatio Nelson, Oliver Cromwell and Jeremiah Coleman for producing the world's hottest yellow paste. Is that accurate? Well, I, d- I wouldn't describe mustard as a paste, but obviously yeah, Alan true. does. Well, and, he, and we, he is a stickler when it comes to what's a condom. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, so yeah we, we do know that. Yeah. We know that from um, episode one. Do you want to go back quickly and just uh, Tina Turner, Simply the Best. Mm. Um, did you guys know that that is not an original Tina Turner song? Is it a cover? It is a cover version oh. of a... And it's also not called Simply the Best, it's called The Best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a cover of a Bonnie Tyler original, which was oh. released in 88, and Tina Turner's version was released in 89. Um... I'd stab, you're, you're normally quite good on sales figures. Have you got any intel on this? No. <laughs> I did actually ask you to look it up as well. Did you? Uh, and oh, you right. said yes, <laughs> that you would. We've used, all our, we've used all our sales figures time up on Billy Piper anyway, yeah, to be yeah. fair. Let's move on. Um, yes, and he also says that Jeremiah Coleman invented the phrase, ooh, that's mustard. Uh, I believe yeah. Nick has a, tra- a translation of that. Ooh, that's mustard. <laughs> meaning, <laughs> meaning, ooh, that's very good. Is that a thing? Or is it, has he invented that? Or is that an actual No, that's phrase? a thing. Is it, it is a thing. yeah, yeah. yeah. But, it's definitely a but thing. I've never heard of it. I've never heard of that. Okay, never well, heard I've never heard of baby brain or whatever it is, oh, and you've never oh, heard of something again. being mustard. Stop going on about it. It's definitely something. Uh, quick question to the group. What's your favourite mustard? Uh, in no particular... Well, actually, no, no. In a particular order, I would say... I've only it's- asked for one. I don't, I don't need a list. <laughs> is well, this a poll situation again? Oh, no. Oh, it's English. It's Dijon. It's whole grain. Stab. I think whole grain's my favourite. I like the vinegary tang of it. It goes very well with sausages, goes in ma- goes in mash. Yeah. That's your answer. We've got yep. to move on to Adam. It's whole grain with Dijon in close second. Nice. I think Dijon would just pip it for me. Okay. Big fan. Uh, Jed, we're going to give you a word. If we ask you for your favourite oh, mustard, are you oh. going to say burger sauce? No. <laughs> Is that a promise, He Jed? promises not to. What's your favourite mustard, Jed? Yellow. <laughs> Fair. So I'm taking that as Coleman's then. <laughs> Entirely fair. Okay, um, he then uh, he then attempts to grasp uh, the slang of the youth by saying radical, awesome, mega. Um, uh, but he kind of mispronounces it, doesn't he? Yeah. And also I would say those are very much slang words from my youth. Yeah. I'm 35. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so th- this whole segment is about the, be- the best person that Norwich has ever, ever produced. So I had a, a, a larger question to the group, which is, what is the best person your hometown has ever produced? Now, not to be confused with hometown celebrities, because obviously we covered Gus Honeybun uh, <laughs> in the last series. There are more people. Um, but yeah, who do you think would be the best person? Don't have to be the most famous, not the biggest celebrity, but the best. From my hometown? Yes. I would get, well, he's not, not, not particularly well known yet, but I would give a shout out to uh, Dev, who is a guy I know who uh, plays in the band Idols, who are currently doing very well. He's okay. from Newton Abbott. I remember I went I went into um I went into the, the bar where he works sometimes and said, Congratulations, you're Newton Abbott's biggest celebrity. You're now officially more famous than the Newton Abbott Cheese and Onion Fair, and he was quite proud of that. Do you think he's more famous than Gus Honeybun as well? Um uh, probably not in the West Country, but on a <laughs> on a national slash annoying. Europe level, yeah, miles ahead. Stab, Nick, uh what what about you guys? best people from your hometowns? Uh, well I don't know about best, but certainly most famous um would be James Corden, who went to my school and lived down the road from me and Ooh. On behalf of everyone uh, in the UK, I'd just like to say, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> we don't accept your apology. <laughs> yeah, not good enough. Uh, again, same with Nick, like not in terms of best, but most famous. Uh, Alan Carr, the TV presenters from Northampton. Okay. Um, uh, Matt Smith, the doctor. He's, ah. he's, from, he's from Northampton. Uh, Tim Minchin was born in Northampton. Wow. Yeah, did not expect fact. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Des O'Connor, the TV presenter. Excellent. This is a ma- Where are you getting this, this from? Yep. Uh, it's amazing what you can find we on Wikipedia. Yeah. Hang on. Surely this is just a case of... You're from a, more of a city, so there's just, there's <laughs> well, just no, more to choose is from. a town. The football team is called Northampton Town. It doesn't have a cathedral. It's yeah. a town. Uh, and also, uh, the host of Monkey Tennis, Tom Stapp, is from Northampton as well. <laughs> who, who is he? Never ever. No, no, I've got no idea. Um, so for me, I looked up notable. Oh people. bloody hell! Diana was from Northampton. There really? You go. Yeah, Lady Diana. I, 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 Rest in peace. Okay, we'll go with that. Then. Northamptonshire. Yeah, she's Hearts. probably. Most um, so for me, I looked up notable people from Devizes. Whispering Bob Harris as well. Oh, we're still going. <laughs> Anymore, anymore. No, no, sorry, carry on. We can wait. Oh, Leslie Joseph from Birds of a Feather. (laughs) All from Northampton. Brilliant, this is great. Do we need to close his laptop in a minute? (laughs) Shall I read the whole list? This is basically the places of my life with Tom (laughs) Stab. Shut it down. Um, So for me, I looked up notable people from Devizes, which is a relatively small town compared to uh, Tom Stab's uh, residence. Oh no, hang on, he's got more. Robert Llewellyn from Red Dwarf. Christ, it is from Northampton. (laughs) Okay, I think we have a winner there. Um, So for Devizes, I quite enjoyed Simon May, the songwriter, and I thought I'd never heard of him, but he composed the themes for EastEnders and Howard's Way. So that's probably the best that I can do. <laughs> that's as good as it gets. Um, there's also Andy Scott, the lead guitarist of Sweet. And Who? Exa- well, <laughs> no, I've heard of them, but I'll tell you a band I haven't heard of, The Struts, and this is listed on Wikipedia. Jed Elliott, bassist from The Struts, and I thought, I've never heard of that. Is that like an old band? Apparently it's quite a new band. They, uh, he is dating Little Mix member Jade. Uh, he's been dating her since January 2016. <laughs> but even better, the band, The Struts, claim their influences include Queen, The Darkness, The Rolling Stones, Aerosmith, Death Leopard, The Smiths, Oasis, The Libertines, The Strokes, and My Chemical Romance. Oh, Shit, they are all over the place, I aren't they? Be real. Yeah. Your influences are every successful band ever. Yeah. Uh, and also the comic book writer, uh, Alan Moore, is okay, from Northampton. Okay, well. yeah, 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 you need yeah. to stop now, though. No, they're all good. <laughs> Leslie <laughs> Joseph. <laughs> is there more to talk about the Simply the Best of Norfolk uh, at this point? Obviously, it's, well, it's a phoning that continues all, all throughout I would, All I'd so. quickly say is I would be 100% backing Delia on this. Oh, really? Uh, okay. yeah, interesting. I like Delia. Yeah, Where are you? <laughs> um, we re- the wind down, Delia. <laughs> we need to talk about what happens between two minutes fifty six and three minutes oh two on this, which is which basically is. basically what I love about about this whole series of Mid Morning Matters is that I think most of the funniest moments are bits with no speech. He's not presenting. Yeah, the There's just something happening, yeah. and this is the first of them. Is uh, this when he's brushing his teeth? Alan is brushing his teeth, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. reading a magazine, while next to him, an anonymous man yeah. stands poised <laughs> with a plastic bowl, waiting to catch his spittle. And I thought, how has Alan got this? Power. Like, is it yeah. Psychic Simon? No, it's not. No, no, it's, it's not. It's, it's just someone like else. a staff member. And the funny thing is, I didn't even notice that guy stood there until my second viewing as well. I was yeah. like, oh, fucking hell, what's going on? And doesn't a load of toothpaste fall out of his mouth and into his lap anyway? <laughs> I don't, I didn't, <laughs> I don't I didn't spot that. that. It wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> Amazing. And the, the, music, the music on that segment is... Clearly supposed to be Duran Duran girls on film, but obviously they couldn't get clearance, so it's yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just thought that uh, that that Psychic Simon initially, my thought was that you know he was kind of he was more of a, a professional. He was getting things right, and it was Alan that was fucking up. But it's not the case. I think they they both mess up about equally. Yeah, I, I just think I, I think what as the series continues, I think the main difference in those two is Simon is clearly better educated and just cleverer than Alan, and quite a lot. Of, and I think that's something that really grinds Alan's gears so yeah, to speak you, you see him progressively trying yeah. to dumb himself down and in fact this, this I think this does this come along a bit in the 
in the best Norfolk bit about the different Cromwells and stuff like that as well, because Alan yeah, doesn't, Alan know, that there, yeah, Alan oh, doesn't yeah. know that there's another famous Cromwell. I wonder if cross-referencing this with I Partridge, that's one of the reasons that Alan then puts Simon under pressure to start drinking in the morning, because <laughs> it brings him down to Alan's level. Oh, I love that. It uh, was so unprofessional. <laughs> uh, anyway, the time is 12.00 midday, uh, <laughs> and it's time for Alan's chat down. Um, yeah, I had at this point... Which is a straight style for the over 40s. Yes. Um, he seemed a bit lost without, uh, without Simon at this point mm. he sort of uh, he needs Simon to fill the time while he's thinking or like you know trying to come up with ideas um, it's a bit weird um, so yeah yeah call a, a, an over 40s phone in um, and then Alan has to deal with a nervous caller which reminded me a bit of um, Rebecca Front's characters in, in mm. Alan's yeah. stuff you know, yeah, 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 yeah. that people aren't don't really understand the format of the phone in they need coaxing there's quite a few of them isn't there the one that rings in for uh, for a phone in a, in a later episode and just says I don't know yeah. <laughs> just a quick... I, think, I think that's testament to the, the, the audience that Alan has though he's got a lot of imbeciles yeah and yeah. um, just a quick question to the group did you know that you can avoid type 2 diabetes by injecting yourself with Ribena <laughs> yeah I'm pretty sure if we fact check that that's not going to hold up <laughs> <laughs> Thanks though, Alan. Um, uh, he also then complains in another kind of cutaway that his tea tastes of chicken for a good two or three minutes. Uh, complains to Kevin, um, which I thought might have been the man holding a spitball. Surely he doesn't have more than one like assistant. Yeah. Well, there, but you, in a different episode, there is another member of staff that he's complaining to. Uh, Who are these people? <laughs> um, but well, before you complain to the tea tasting of chicken, I think we have the call from uh, from Ho- the caller from Holt, don't we? Yes, uh, Jill. Yep. No, it's Judith. I know. Oh, right. <laughs> I always thought, well, I always thought it was Jill. So did and then, I. Yeah, then had to kind of listen back. And actually, she never she never says what her name is. The she reason does. we think it's Jill. No, 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 no. Sorry, yeah. sorry. At the in, beginning. In the early yeah, yeah, stage, yeah. she never actually The reason we think name. it's Jill is because he shouts, you're from Holt, Jill. You're, <laughs> you're from, from Holt. <laughs> and I, yeah, I, I did think because... In, in the, when he's chatting to this caller, with Judith, not Jill, he talks about how he date, once dated someone from Holt. So I wondered, is it Jill from I'm Alan Partridge? Is oh, she from Holt? And, and that's, that's where why. the connections come in. Nice. I mean, I'm like projecting that. quite a lot there, but I like it. I'm I like it. it. I'm going with it. Yeah. I'm with you, that's Tom. That's a solid Very through good. line. Um, another conspiracy thing that just occurred to me. Absolute conspiracy. You said that, there's, <laughs> you said that there's, there's quite a few different people throughout the series that are basically there to hold spitballs for him or like fix his tea or whatever. Mm. I wonder if they're the point of that is that they're basically interns but every week there's they a new being, one or they're all being they, fired or yeah something. because because either they just they, they can't stand him or he has them quietly removed because his tea tastes like chicken or they haven't held the spit bowl <laughs> close enough to his toothbrush or yeah, whatever it's, it's quite possible whilst Alan is um, bemoaning that his tea tastes of chicken did anyone clock what the song uh, was that was playing in the background no I don't have an eight of that um, it is the absolute straight up banger uh, in a big country by big country <laughs> Uh, how does it go? In a big country. Great. No, no. I, see, uh, I see what you mean. It's an absolute yeah. anthem. Yeah, no, when Very you... much for fans of Crowded House, Delamitri. Uh, so and... you, basically. So you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, he's also he's also reading a car magazine uh, whilst he's uh, using uh, whilst he's complaining about the the tea tasting chicken as well. But I, I think from my notes you couldn't make out what magazine it is. So is it Top Gear magazine? Is it What Car magazine? I couldn't tell. I mean, either it's a car magazine. Yeah. Not interested. You know, sorry, just to go back on. Uh, you're from Holt, Jill. You're from Holt. He's obviously implying that people from Holt are, I don't know, a little bit. Uh, I don't of know a type. of a type. Yeah. yeah. So um, I did a little bit of research and I tried to find something salacious or controversial about Holt. You will never guess what I found. Guess what I found? Nothing. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> there is nothing controversial about Holt whatsoever. Yeah. There is nothing on their Wikipedia apart from uh, 
Matthew Pinson, the rower, is from Holt, but literally that is about it. But some, it's similar in a way to, to the, the way that the, they talked about how they picked uh, Norwich and Norfolk, as, where Alan's from, because they said that it was something of a blank slate and they mm, could yeah. project their own prejudices onto it. So it's kind of like that with Holt, really, I guess. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, friends. Adam from Monkey Tennis here. Just interrupting this week's episode very briefly. Uh, the live shows we announced at the start of the episode. If you thought that was all the news we've got this week, think again. Uh, I have a brand new podcast. It's called Reads Like a Four, and it's all about reviews, critics, and professional criticism. Each week, I speak to a different critic about the past and future of reviews, their best and worst reviews, unexpected reactions from artists and fans, uh, untold stories, and much more. Um, over the coming weeks, I speak to people from Pitch fork the guardian enemy vice and more um so if you're interested in that sort of thing if you've ever completely wholeheartedly agreed with or violently disagreed with a review uh, then please do give it a listen uh, you'll find it everywhere you get monkey tennis from um, and it's called reads like a four you can also track it down on twitter at reads like a four um so please do have a look uh, i really hope you enjoy it thank you and uh, obviously monkey tennis will continue uh, as normal in fact here it comes now yeah, he then has a Tony Robinson anecdote, which is another good example of what I like to call uh, Alan Yes Coogan No. Um, he's come up once in a while, and it's basically where Alan says something that is kind of the opposite of what you imagine Coogan would think. So he says of Tony Robinson, uh, he's a lovely fella, although I don't like his politics. Uh, and that's obviously because uh, Tony Robinson is, like Coogan, a staunch Labour supporter. Uh, so obviously Alan would not be, not be a fan. <laughs> yeah, uh, good point. In the same way as you often get Alan kind of uh, praising uh, people on the right and kind of uh, writers for the Daily Mail and so on. And you can kind of tell it's because it's it's the inverse of Steve's opinion. Uh-oh, are we going to get uh, lovey lefties accusations thrown at us again? Oh God, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but before he's talking about Tony Robinson as well, uh, there's a little. He's talking about Howard Carter. Uh, he says, without him, archaeology would be known as digging, which I thought was quite fun. Mm. Um, because he's the guy that uh, discovered the tomb of Tutankhamun in 1922. Um, something which I thought would be right up Jed Street. Have you guys heard of the curse of Tutankhamun? Uh, yeah. I'm aware of it. don't look in his eyes. 
Uh, it's not that. <laughs> Isn't that, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's Medusa. That's Medusa, yeah. No, 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 because um, I've seen him. He's he's in Egypt. I've seen into his eyes. Yeah, and you're not supposed to look into his eyes. I'm sure that's a thing. Well, that's not what I was going to talk about. Uh-huh. Okay, while you do that, I'm going to go on the interweb and see if that's true. So you're off to the fact cave. Uh, yeah, basically, <laughs> it's, it's a belief that the curse has brought to many people's attention due to the mysterious death of a few members of the team and prominent visitors to the tomb shortly after. So there are 11 deaths linked to Carter's crew that are attributed to the curse but then also a lot of people point out there are probably about 80 people that are actually involved so the statistics yep. don't really hold up <laughs> a little bit of extra knowledge uh the I, I've, I've, uh, I can't actually spell it so i've i've, I've phonetically spelt it uh tutan carmoon but google has um given me a suggestion of tottenham cartoon <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little bit of side knowledge the uh the tutan carmoon i'm doing this from memory i didn't note it down what was found in the um Tomb. Cave was in the tomb. Yeah, uh, is now on display at is it the British Museum. No, it's at Highclere House, which is where Downton Abbey is filmed. Oh. So I went to go visit the uh, the Downton Abbey house, and they've got a whole exhibition of all the stuff from Tutankhamun's uh, tomb in the at the bottom of uh, Downton Abbey. And did you look into his eyes? Uh, no, I just tried to keep my head down, stay yeah, out of trouble, yeah. <laughs> head plan. straight to the gift yeah. shop. Some, some, some would say we strayed from the path a little bit here. Us never. We <laughs> um, would never do that. Around this point, Alan decides he's going to do the rest of the program without any teas and what I did here was <laughs> what I did here was something that uh, I like to do uh, throughout mid-morning matters where I pause it predict what's going to happen next and then see how right I was so I paused this and then I wrote this will be over in seconds <laughs> I unpaused it and then he said no it's too complicated <laughs> He also then compares Genesis to heroin at this point. Oh, I think I missed that. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, very, both equally addictive, I would say. <laughs> so terribly Moorish. Right, right, yeah. Soft rock fan Nick Alder there. Yeah. Um, and then claims that he's being, I quote, harangued to throw his own hat in the ring for Norfolk's best person. Yeah, bullshit is yeah. what I say. Where would he rank? Uh, well, I mean, he he is a... Uh, you nearly just character high him as a character in his own world low yeah you nearly find out don't you there's quite a funny bit coming up about yeah. <laughs> uh do we now move on to what alan's one of alan's picks is uh bernard matthews who he yes. describes as the turkey baron he <laughs> he slays or slay seven million turkeys a year for 30 years and then does some quick maths and works out that's basically a quarter of a billion turkeys uh, and they're therefore responsible for the biggest ornithological genocide of recent times i also like that he says those facts he says he knows them because bernard's a pal but i noticed that he still has to read it off a sheet of paper <laughs> yeah um, he refers to him as a close friend doesn't he but um i did fact check this and it is correct that uh, bernard matthews limited not Bernard Matthews personally does uh, does slay seven million turkeys a year. I went onto um, Bernard Matthews' Wikipedia page and he died on the twenty fifth of November two thousand and ten, which was just six days after this episode went live on YouTube. Hopefully, not of shock. <laughs> uh, Bernard Matthews, uh, also now owned by the Two Sisters Company. Uh, anyone uh, remember them? They've been in the news recently. No, no. Nope. Uh, well, for diddly dit diddy two sisters. <laughs> I like it. Uh, very good. Well, you might remember them from 2013 when they were allegedly fined 100,000 pounds for offences relating to amending the dates of uh, the the shelf life of the ah, chicken that they sell. That was them. Or right. perhaps 2014 when there was an undercover investigation that found that raw chicken was being contaminated after it was dropped on the floor. Oh. Or perhaps 2017 where there was a scandal where the Guardian and ITV News found um, workers changing dates on slaughtered chickens. All of that is alleged, though. I'm not saying that the two sisters company is in any way uh awful (laughs) i'm not saying awful why have you said awful um he pauses to put glasses on to read anything off a sheet of paper and i thought why doesn't he just wear them throughout the show and i wondered if it's webcam vanity perhaps oh Um, quite possibly yeah yeah Yeah. um or they're just reading glasses 
Uh, well, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, but no, but, but, yeah. it really could be that. No, but, it? The, but the thing is, he has to be reading throughout the show because all of his, uh, all of his, all of his uh, radio show desk. stuff is right. on the screen in front of him. So yeah, yeah. yeah. maybe. Um, we'll never know. Talking about people from uh, Norfolk and Norwich and so on, I reread the Guardian article where uh, Norfolk civic leaders blame Coogan for Norwich not getting Euro capital of culture, um, and <laughs> I liked it because at the bottom they listed the top ten Norfolk attractions, uh, sort of as proof that there's there's more going on there than, than there's more to Norfolk than, than this. Than this. <laughs> exactly, but. The, the problem is, is that those attractions are terrible and rubbish. And I'd like to read you a few <laughs> yeah, examples. Please, oh, yes, please. So these, these are the the, the ten att- the ten best attractions in uh, in Norwich or Norfolk. Uh, they include. Well, I'm not going to do all ten, but here are four of them. They include the UK's tallest draining mill, um, <laughs> Norwich Castle, included apparently because it has, and I quote, a vast collection of teapots, um, arts and crafts. They've put as as an attraction, just a general, <laughs> just a general yeah, thing, uh, quantifying that by saying Langham Glass has demonstrated. And then, bearing in mind this is a list of top 10 Norfolk attractions, so things that you would go to Norfolk and expect to see. Delia Smith. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Just wandering She's around. looking point. She's not a fucking museum. Ridiculous. <laughs> um, I, I was thinking, uh, with the Bernard Matthews ornithological genocide, uh, obviously someone that has a very close link to the world of Alan is Bill Oddie. And I thought, well, if there's one person that's not going to like that, it's going to be Bill Oddie. So then I thought, Want to have a look at his recent tweets because that's always a bit of fun. Oh, isn't yeah, it? we like that. Don't uh, we? we did that on uh, episode one of Bin Morning Matters as well. So, would you like some of his best recent tweets? Yes, then, please. Uh, so, in a new regular feature, it's time for Oddie Watch. Uh, <laughs> 7th of December. Just in case anyone disagrees with or is offended by any of my tweets, please assume that I don't mean whatever I've said, except when I am deadly serious. <laughs> I trust all discerning tweeters will find this perfectly obvious, probably now telly time. <laughs> sure. Love it. Uh, also, uh, a lot of the. Uh, Grammar and punctuation is quite poor on these. Uh, 23rd of December. What was once awesome became amazing and is now quality. Whatever is next still won't mean anything. I concluded this after a robust contemplation. What is he That's banging nonsense. on about? Bill, are you okay? Is I Bill Oddie want... okay? Um, is the man okay? <laughs> <laughs> no. And the, <laughs> and the most, most recent tweet on the 8th of January. No fox hunting. That's in capitals. Good. Uh, yeah. One can only rejoice, but as Sting says, we'll be watching you. <laughs> who? You know who you are. Two foxes in my garden yesterday. I swear they were celebrating. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> you know what, Bill? Cheers to you. I love more, this, man. More from Bill next week. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Stay tuned. Um, a weird possible uh, continuity thing I noticed is that there's obviously quite a few cutaways where you see Alan broadcasting from the neighbouring studio. Now, in radio stations, it's always very important that they keep all the clocks on time because presenters are, are referring to them constantly. The clock in the studio that the, the camera is in seems to always say 11.25 uh, oh, at any time of day. And I thought, surely they can't have been so slack as to have done all those cutaway shots in one go and not thought about changing the clock. Ooh, it wouldn't surprise they? me. Oh, I, think, I think that's it. <laughs> Remember, yeah. limited budget. Yeah. Um, anyway, enough of that. The results are in on Norfolk's greatest person. <laughs> what I like is that uh, he starts to read out where he's come in the poll, sees where he's done, yeah. and then goes, mm, actually, I'll take my hat out. Of the <laughs> I wondered a question to the group based on that. Is he a bit less delusional than previous Alan's? I think Alan, 10 years ago, would have had this phone in and immediately put himself in the running, I think, or expected to have won. Whereas I think now he would have read it out had he come first perhaps so he seems a bit more at ease mm. with himself yeah def- definitely and I, I think there are um, quite a few more moments throughout the series where, where you see that and I think yeah the character is definitely 
is changed from what we've seen before, but I'm sure we can expand upon that uh, as the weeks go by. Yeah, he's he's more comfortable, is he? There's, I mean, there's yeah. there's still he's less manic. Yeah, there's still plenty of awkwardness, but it's sort of nothing he can't overcome, even when it's as we'll find out, sneezing blood into a nun's face. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the, the, uh, so the results were just a. I'm sure the listeners want to know. Uh, it was a tie between Cromwell and Nelson, of course. Um, but it, it's not long before he's got another game, uh, Surname Mastermind. I actually thought this, uh, of all the phone-ins, I thought this was the best one. I, I thought, thought it was yeah. rubbish, personally. No, I, I, <laughs> I've, I've got a note that says, actually, quite a good quiz. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I would listen to this. I think this could. This is the sort of thing that could exist on a commercial radio station and people would That is would very true. Yeah. Yeah. More than Creed Crunch. <laughs> or, <laughs> or Gender Thrash. <laughs> before we conclude, Mustard, um, I thought we'd have our own quick game of Celebrity Surname Ooh, Mastermind. Yeah. Oh, I like it. So, just as a recap, oh, Nick, you've actually done like you, you you're prepared. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Dave Clifton is speechless. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I will, wish you were. So I will read out two names, and then it is up to you to um, uh, agree on what the surname is. So I'm happy for. I would say there's Are a we mix of. To well, I'd say it's a mix of dead easy and possibly a bit harder. All right. Well, okay. let's just see what okay. happens. Let's just go with it. So off the cuff, get the bell ready. Donald Melania Trump. Trump. Kurt Courtney Love. Mm. Well, what's that? Cobain? Cobain. Yeah. Sure. That's what I was after. Uh, right, of course, yeah. Um, Teresa, Philip. May. Simon, Maureen. <laughs> Lipman? Nope. Oh. Um, Simon and Maureen. I might need a clue. From driving school? <laughs> <laughs> nope. Um, very well-known actor. Probably a, a lesser-known wife. Um, a comedy... Hero, I would say, who's sort of transcended into American things, i.e., films. Peg. Oh. Robert Gucci Grace. What? Gucci You've lost Grace. me. Webb. Um, uh, nope. Think evil. What's Gucci Grace? Don't Main. Know. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know. Uh, evil dictating genius. <laughs> Maybe not so much of the genius. <laughs> An evil dictator. <laughs> Mussolini, Stalin, uh, Lenin, bit more, bit more contemporary, Pol Pot, Un. Okay, it's a miss. It's Mugabe, <laughs> Sharon, Ozzy, Osborne, David, Victoria, Beckham. Beckham, Jessica, Jerry, Simpson. No. Nope. Halliwell. No. Nope. Jessica Simpson. No, no. Jessica Jer- Jerry. Sinclair. Paul. Paul. No, the mouse. <laughs> uh, Jerry is probably the uh, one to focus on here. Anderson. No, Jerry. Adams. No. <laughs> Give up. It's a miss. It's Seinfeld. Ah. Will Jada Pinkett Smith. 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 Michelle Barack Obama. Obama. Eva Adolf. Hitler. Hitler. And that concludes Celebrity <laughs> Oh my god I think that was, wow. a, that was That was actually A slightly different format To Alan's yeah. as well Wasn't it Because his were two Separate, separate celebrities people, That not aren't together. married so That's what I was thinking I didn't realise you did Well some of them Either, either works I'd say We've all had a lovely time yeah. uh, mm. Right let's move on to Pepper The second part of uh, yes. of, of this episode uh, Psychic Simon's back in the house yep, That's my first note Yes Psychic Simon yep. is back Trying to chide Alan About a potential date Alan shuts it down Immediately <laughs> um, Oh yeah I yeah. suspect that this might be An early date with Angela, who obviously is uh, more present yep. in future yes, series, that's, and that's what I would assume. And Alpha Papa, um, can we can we talk about the Boxley Wheat Sheaf? Yeah, of course. Um, so this is where uh, Alan's been on this uh, implied date. Uh, now, I from a bit of googling, it looks to me like the Boxley Wheat Sheaf 
gastropub it seems to be the implication is not a real place but it does seem to appear in a few pieces of alan fiction so it's also mentioned in eye partridge as well so, oh. so it's kind I think of like a choristers thing. yeah i think it's a lo- it's an invented local establishment um but <laughs> what i really liked is i found an article that alan wrote for shortlist that's alan in inverted commas uh where he says this about the boxley wheat sheaf for a real treat, forget everything you think you know about folk music and get your backsides down to the Boxley Wheat Sheaf on the second and fourth Sundays of every month. So uh, that's Alan's recommendation there. See you there. Um, there's quite a bit of chat about toilet graffiti, um, stating that the woman who does the weather is a talking animal of some kind. I think he's <laughs> putting, it, putting it politely. And then Alan says, it's okay to mention it because uh, he's not used her name and there are two people that do the weather. Um, <laughs> I, did, I paused it again at this point and made an incorrect prediction that he would identify exactly the person like he did with Domingo from Little Oakley. But the other guy, the other person does the weather is a man, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's the joke. Got you. I think that, yeah, they think they reference him in a later episode about people just didn't like his voice and they protested. Right. Yeah. He then has a phone in where he says, if you could make one species of animal extinct, which would it be and how would you do it? I thought it is so Alan to ask how and not why. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. the, the question of why you'd exterminate this entire species is not in question. He just wants to know the method. Yeah. Do we but, all have answers to that question? Well, I did just think that um, Steve from Swaffham who phones in that says he'd make flightless birds extinct by putting their bird seed on a shelf just just a little bit out <laughs> yeah, of their reach yeah, was absolutely so good. brilliant uh, yeah. so good. then a child does a drawing where he would get rid of chimpanzees by turning Battersea Power Station on, into yeah. a flamethrower <laughs> but then I think my favourite was the uh, the text from Farnham where he just said cats hammers yeah. <laughs> uh, turns out that oh no, no it's from Fakenham sorry Fakenham, um, Fakenham, yeah. which, which ironically is a real place uh, which led me to look at some Norfolk villages and a short quiz I'd like to play called Fakenham or Realenham oh. <laughs> Oh, that good. is brilliant. So, Play along at home. I'm going to give you five uh, five names of villages in the in the Norfolk or broader Norfolk area. Mm-hmm. I want you to tell me if they are real or real in them or fake in them. Um, number one, <laughs> Pudding Norton. Real in them? Real in them. Fake in them. Uh, we need a I'll, I'll go with the majority. Okay, I'll go with the majority. Real in it's, them. It's real in them. Yes. Uh, number two, Little Snoring. Fake in them. Fake in them. Fine. It's real in them. Mm. <laughs> Bugger. Uh, Swanton Novas. <laughs> Fakenham. Fakenham. It's real in them. Wow. <laughs> number four, uh, a throwback to number two, great snoring. I think these are all going to be real in them, and I think that's going to be the gag. Is that the joke? Real in them. He's bloody got it. <laughs> <laughs> great snoring is real in them, and so is number five, my personal favourite, Melton Constable. <laughs> God bless that's you, Norfolk. Before we move on, a quick question to the group. Which animal would you make extinct, and how would you do it? Who wants to take that one? Uh, happy to. It's mm-hmm. rats. I would pied piper them into a volcano. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yep. Um, oh, cockroaches. Get rid of them. Disgusting. Don't need them. Um, probably going to need to be a nuclear apocalypse, though. Right. Well, no, they survived, the those. Yeah. survive those. survive that. Just a giant. Oh, you can't get rid of them. Loads of shoes. Just smashing them. Or giant sticky pads with loads of glue on that they can't get off. Right. That'll do. Nick? Uh, I would get a big net and get every single sea creature out of the sea. Uh, <laughs> Batter them, deep fry them, uh, get put on a, a lovely meal for everyone so that then I can finally frolic in the sea without the risk of being nibbled. <laughs> I think that would probably destroy the earth, wouldn't it? It would, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah it's been fine, just yeah, but go then shopping Nick, and waitress. But then Nick would be scared of going in the sea. Yeah, yeah. Then I could at least have a splash in the sea without the risk of being oh, pecked by you a crab. Splash in the sea. I've seen you splash in the sea. Yeah, but I'm you terrified. <laughs> you got out immediately. Uh, mine would be spiders. I don't care. I, d- I don't know, blow them up or something. But um, I did... I, they can fuck off. I hate them so much. Um, but I did actually do a little bit of research online and I found that without all spiders insect populations would explode food crops would be decimated ecological balances would be 
ravaged and humans would probably starve within a matter of months. But that's not stopped you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm still destroying spiders by blowing them up. Does that mean we should or we shouldn't get rid of them? I'm confused. I did a bit of background watch on this episode as well, which I've done a, done a few times re-watching the series. They always, always seem to have a few props or items around that give, give it a bit of realism for the grounding for the characters. So... Uh, you'll see on the sofa behind them in this episode, there's quite a few car magazines spread out. Mm-hmm. So, and in fact, I think that happens in quite a lot of episodes. Alan is often reading a car magazine. Yeah, nice magazine. additional detail. Yeah, mm. um, yeah kind of like the scene setting uh, between broadcast moments as well, where they're yeah. just kind of yeah, yeah. sitting back. Uh, yeah, there's a, a great one coming up that's now making me laugh as I think of it, but let's save <laughs> it, let's save it. Um, there's a, not, a lovely bit of pettiness now where Alan is corrected on his typhoon warning. Where <laughs> that's, he, that's not pettiness though, is it? That's just oh, no, factual a- reporting. Alan's comeback is the pettiness. Oh, but, right. um, where, yeah, he basically uh, mistakes Norfolk US for Norfolk UK and effectively panics the whole, uh, well, <laughs> his many, many yep. listeners. Um, uh, but then, uh, Alan then has to correct the newsreader who's, who's corrected him. Uh, he says... The newsreader says, back in 30, and Alan had minutes. <laughs> is it time to talk about English wine? I think it is. I mean, if you were having a love luncheon, you might want to share some wine with a partner, perhaps, or, as Psychic Simon correctly points out, or the man in your life, if you're gay. Yeah, absolutely. Which uh, Alan's not too keen on. Well, yeah, to be fair, at this point, Alan um, confesses that around 1983, he developed a fairly robust disliking for the gay community. <laughs> that was before he met Dale Winton. <laughs> Hello, Dale. But it's all about going to the Earl's Court boat show with Dale Winton which is also referred to yeah. in the I Partridge book ah, that's where he went before. to the Earl's Court boat show with Winton O'Grady Win- uh, with Dale Winton Paul O'Grady and Noel, Noel Edmonds yeah. yeah. uh, and, and if you I- told him that, that he'd be doing that 20 years ago he'd have probably spat in your face <laughs> oh, um, there's another nice tie up to I Partridge where uh, Simon uh, writes a joke yeah. about this the is- gay oh, community yeah. uh, Alan laughs and laughs but then says he can't read it on air because it's uh, quite quite hateful which uh, which yeah. is it ties back to him talking about Psychic Simon's material being yeah. basically way out of out of line but moments before do remember Alan was in absolute hysterics over yep. the joke yeah. Yeah. he does it yeah he says it's very funny but it's quite helpful <laughs> yeah. um, so yeah now we're joined by Rosie Witter Rosie Witter from the British Wine Marketing Board which does not exist I did check mm-hmm. not and surprised I recognised her but I wasn't sure where from I can tell you well I'll, I'll tell you where I recognised her from instantly which was she was in the threesome scene in Peep Show uh, yeah. remember where Jess yes. wants to have a threesome and yep. she turns up with like a bandage, Foot bandage. Arm yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah um, but also she has worked on quite a lot of Coogan projects so Saxondale mm. uh, uh, Coogan Coogan's Run, and she was in a cock and bull story as well. Ah. She's also been in an episode of Inside Number Nine, Hmm. but the big hitters, she's been in Casualty and The Bill. Of course she has. Yeah. Yep. Uh, she also bears more than a passing resemblance to uh, Felicity Montague as well. I did. Add, I had it in my nose that it was Felicity Montague. I thought it was just <laughs> without, without all the gubbins that goes on, you know, grey hair wig or whatever it is. I thought it was her. Um, Alan starts the feature by being very nervous about sniffing the same glass as her. It's, yeah, uh, he's <laughs> broken his, uh, his what, cleanliness Hygiene. protocol. Yeah, so. yeah, he's yeah. more than happy to spit into a bowl that another man is holding. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. There's no cross-contamination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that's no crossing of the streams. Um, I, also, when I was looking up uh, Rosie Witter here, uh, I did notice on the credits for this episode that Neil Gibbons, one of the writers, mm-hmm. is uh, one of the male phone callers in this ah. episode. Um, Alan also can't smell wine properly uh, and starts taking <laughs> massive gulps, immediately hyperventilates, yes. which then leads to uh, lots of confessions relating to him being clinically fed up. Yeah. Uh, he says he uh, hyperventilating it used to lead to panic attacks. Jesus, not now. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's great. And then the beautiful line where she says to him, oh, you know, from that last gulp, what were you getting? <laughs> A panic attack. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and it's just during this segment, uh, Psychic Simon's in the background. What's mm-hmm. he doing? 
Is he reading a magazine? He's doing a crossword. <laughs> really paying attention to the show that he's a part of. Uh, Rosie uh, challenges Alan to uh, explain what the notes are that he's getting on the wine, and he there is so much dead air. Yeah. Um, and then and the answer is chew it. <laughs> well, you've also you've, well, before that you've got that as a peppery wine. Bang, pepper. Yes. Yeah. As soon as I smelt that, I thought it was a peppery wine. Yeah. Pepper. Yeah. She basically gives him a little bit of encouragement by saying yes, yeah. and then from there he thinks he's an absolute wine expert. Because <laughs> yeah. the way this segment starts off is brilliant because he's he's basically trying to impress her and act yeah. like mm. he knows how yeah. to do wine tasting what's going on and um is this where they're talking about merlots and he he tests her by giving her three different scenarios to see if the wine's appropriate such as with some friends alongside spag bowl yes she says yep, that's fine yeah, that's good it's, it's about what other basically yeah. what what other uses can wine have apart on from drinking own, on your own in front of news night <laughs> yeah no problem. so and the big test at the launch of sterling moss's autobiography <laughs> also fine wow that is a versatile wine <laughs> yeah. um, um, also background watch for this scene uh, there is a massive orange to be seen and also a couple of pairs of scissors <laughs> lovely um, he's drunk on air by this point isn't yep, he yeah. um, and, and it's the implication he's drunk after about two glasses of wine yeah pretty much yeah. well because he, he was gulping it as well like he mm. doesn't know how to taste wine That's also we, we do know Alan is a lightweight as well after 45 minutes of drinking he's falling yes. asleep at the bar yeah, yeah, that's yeah. very good point yeah. um, we've made the point before that there are lots of bits in, especially in latter day partridge where at, where at the line between Alan and Steve is, is more blurred than it is perhaps in earlier I think the same is true of Tim Key and Psychic Simon especially in this bit Mm. Where um, uh, I think the that Rosie says it lingers on the palate, and then uh, Psychic Simon says like a lazy forklift yeah. truck driver, which I thought was uh, was wordplay on a Tim Key level, yeah. perhaps above yes. a Sidekick Simon oh, level, de- definitely. And I I made a note that also Psychic Simon coming out with comedy like that, it's it's too intellectual for Alan as well. Like Alan, oh, would, yeah, have, yeah, Alan yeah. would have never thought of God, a no. side like that either. Yeah. Is uh, Psychic but, but he does dub the joke. Not bad. Yeah, not, ex- not exactly. Because he's he's annoyed that basically Simon's made a really good gag that he didn't. Yeah, think yeah, of, so yeah. he's got he's got to play it down. Is Psychic Simon funny? Yes. Right. I Carry on. <laughs> Next question. Yeah. For, the, for the most part, I think. But I think it's a, a bit like Alan. It's it's funny in small doses. Mm. If you had to be his friend, he'd drive you insane, wouldn't he? Yeah. Well, I think you have a thing where. I think Psychic Simon feels like he's got to bring a wacky element to it. And that's yes. part... You also get Alan doing that on some of these episodes as well, where they're like, they're trying to be like, oh, we're a bit of zoo radio, we're a little bit zany, and it just never works. It come off, comes off quite cringy. Alan yeah. is not zany, is no, he? Yeah. Despite Maybe. at the end of this feature, Alan saying uh, to Rosie Witter that that was just good radio. Simple <laughs> well, as that. It wasn't because he was talking about the wines and just going, that one, yeah. <laughs> that one, not talking about what the wines are, what they taste like. Question to the group. Has anyone here actually done wine tasting? No. Uh, yes. Yep. Because uh, I did it in Australia, and I'm pretty sure with, when you do proper wine tasting, you're you were taking a very small sip, and mm-hmm. it's all about smelling. Yep. But in Australia, you're basically gulping it down, and you end up having a couple of bottles worth of wine. And you're absolutely hammered. It's brilliant. I recommend it. It's quantity over quality. It really um, is. Alan, towards the end of the feature, has asked for his favourite. At this point, I paused and said, "I guarantee you, he just goes for the most expensive." Yep. Yes. Unpause. Yep. Yes, he does. <laughs> yes. So, which is the best wine? And obviously, his answer is. It, you'd, you'd expect that because it's all about snobbery with him. Yes, it's yeah, all about yeah, status. Yep, and yep. for him, money equals status. Yes. It's as simple as that. So the £12 one is obviously, he then says, oh yeah, that's got the best flavour. Yeah. <laughs> but he sec- hasn't clarified that until he knows that's yeah, the most yeah. expensive. For the same logic that he in Iman and Partridge wouldn't run Partridge, uh, Pear Tree Productions with a skeleton staff of two if it meant a lower status car. <laughs> same same. Exactly, thing. exactly that. Uh, I, I love the bit when he's then digging around in his pockets, yeah. getting like small change to pay her for the wine, which that's, also... That's more than sure enough. That's <laughs> also a bit of a status thing, isn't it? A bit of a, well, no, I can so pay I've my own way. Take this 
just take this money. And just, I have my notes here. But just this whole segment just seems to me like the sort of thing Jeremy Clarkson would do. I don't know why. I just felt I think Clarkson would offer up money for it. No. Well, no, but I just, I just thought like cause I don't know. I, just, I was getting hints of Clarkson about Alan here. I don't <laughs> think, I think it's definitely I'm, a part. I'm, I'm getting a hint of Clarkson. Yeah. Just a nose Clarkson. of James May. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think it. Like I said, I don't think it's a terrible feature, but I think it's executed badly because of who's in charge, Alan. Yeah. Oh, of course. As yeah. Always. I, mean, that, that's, I, I think on a similar note, we're talking about whether Psychic Simon is good or not. I think with the right guy, with better guidance, with a good host, he could be steered into being really great. Mm. But yeah, he, he hasn't got that. <laughs> so yeah, because, uh, because when, whenever Simon, like we were just saying, whenever Simon does do something good, Alan has to bat it back down immediately. So he's never really given the chance no, to flourish yeah, into yeah, exactly. into a great broadcaster. And like a fine wine, we've matured to the end of this episode and it's time for us to go before we <laughs> turn good. into vinegar. Um, <laughs> join us next week for episode three, Idiom and Inception. Um, <laughs> if you want to get in touch with us, you can email thepartridgepod at gmail.com. Uh, Twitter, we're at thepartridgepod. Facebook.com slash thepartridgepod. Instagram at monkeytennispod. We would love to hear from you. If you get a second you're enjoying the podcast, please do rate and review us on iTunes. The more good reviews we get, the more people we end up in front of. It really does work. Uh, from all of us at Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast, thanks and goodbye. Thanks bye. Bye. Monkey Tennis is a post-pop podcast produced by Jed Shepard. If you're interested in podcasts about Red Dwarf, X-Files, what to watch on Netflix, or TV pilot episodes pitched against one another, find them at postpoppodcasts.com. Our artwork is by Finn McLean, and you can find his website at finn.design. The theme is an excerpt from Galloping Home by Dennis King. Thanks for listening. Monkey tennis? Well, uh, this is great banter. Hot, 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 ha. Monkey tennis? Radical. Awesome. Mega. Are you on an E? Monkey tennis? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm spinning plates here, mate, I'll be honest. Monkey tennis? There have been times when I've been more uh, rubbery than turgid. Monkey tennis? Tits bits. Tit, tit bits. Uh, yes, 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 and yes. It's just an idiom. You're an idiot. Ooh, that's mustard. Monkey tennis? Sustaining and maintaining our core listenership in an increasingly fragmented marketplace. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.